Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast for product people. If you're in product management or marketing, you found the right place. I'm Mark Stiving, a pragmatic marketing instructor and sometimes host of this podcast. Today, I get to interview the regular yet fabulous host of the podcast. She happens to be our VP of marketing. She's brilliant, and she's the mother of a lovely young girl. Let's all welcome Miss Rebecca Calajaris. Yay! Wow, that's a great opening. I want that every, I'm just going to play that every morning when I get started. It's going to get me going. No worries. Right? <laughs> Be like, woohoo! <laughs> I could guess, but I just gave you three kudos. I said you're VP of marketing. I said you're brilliant. And I said you're the mother of a lovely young girl. Mm-hmm. Of those three, which are you most proud of? Oh, you know, I'm most proud of the third one. I knew that, <laughs> but I thought I'd give you a chance to gush a little bit. I'm very proud of all of them, but my daughter's pretty awesome. She's, she's yeah, no eight. doubt. And she's a riot, uh, and she is more herself every day. Oh, how fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Rebecca, you've built a fabulous marketing team. Uh, So it's a small team. It gets a ton done. Everybody there seems to like each other. (laughs) (laughs) You you even have people who leave the company for more money, and then they come back anyway because they like you so much. Uh, And whenever I'm in the office, everyone on your team seems to smile what's your secret? Do you give them happy pills? Uh, (laughs) um, Well, I think there's, I do have a great team. um, And then they're going to listen to this and then there'll be no living with them. But uh, I have a a fantastic team. And I think what, as the VP of marketing, what my most important job is, is building that great team. Right. And so I take it super seriously from finding the right people, which is both a combination of skills and personalities and fit with each other all the way to sort of the, the love and feeding of them, right? I mean, my team is, we always joke, we're super food motivated. We talk about food on my team an enormous amount of time. It's sort of shocking when people start, like we warn them and then they're still like, you're still talking about food. And you're like, yes, <laughs> yes, we are. Um, but, you know, when you know what motivates them, the things they care about, then you can, you can build in rewards along the way. So when you interview and hire people, do they have to care about food in order to get the job? Um, no, although I have to say it's always made its way into job description. So at least it's kind of a known piece. But yes. but we have talked about, you know, jokingly, like what happens if we do hire someone who only eats, you know, rice or something <laughs> where, where they're not adventurous or willing to try. But we have not come across that yet. We've been fortunate. I'll eat sushi as long as you keep the fish off of it. <laughs> right. I, I like the, the vegetarian sushi is super good. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, so what are the big hassles? Let's, let's break this up into two chunks if we have time. But let's talk about hiring the right people. And let's talk about how we manage them, motivate them, and, and, and create a great, a great team once we have them. Absolutely. And it definitely does start with hiring. So one of the things that I've done um, in my career is spent more time writing job descriptions than I think most people do. Because I think the job description, man, it's, 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 uh, it's your advertisement, right? And it's, it can be where you not only um, list the skills that you need, I mean, that's kind of a given, but we really spend a lot of time up front sort of describing their personality that we're looking for and the personality of our team. So we always say that we are, we take our work really seriously, but not ourselves. And so that tone is throughout the ad and it's 
not atypical for us to get comments on our advertisements, our job descriptions when we interviewed candidates. So they're like, I wasn't really looking, saw this job description, was like, wow, this sounds like a great fit. Um, and we also have been really fortunate. We often get really highly skilled applicants for our positions, right? Maybe even more so than, uh, than other people with the same type of role and the same type of salary. And part of that is, again, we take the time to show that this is a good opportunity and it's enticing. And I think that gives us a bigger pool of candidates. And so if one of our listeners wanted to copy your style of writing a job description, what's, what's your recommendation? Obviously, they're going to go grab some of our job descriptions mm -hmm. and look at them, but they can't just change the name of the company, I don't think. No, I mean, I really think it's understanding. No, and you really couldn't just change the name because it needs to be reflective of the personality of your team and what you're looking for. So again, obviously not taking ourselves seriously means we goof around. We joke a lot. Um, we, we, you know, tease each other a lot. And that's an important part of our team. It may not be important at all for someone else's team. And that's okay, right? Every team doesn't need to work like mine does. But I know what I need to be a really high-functioning team. And so that's the personality go. So the first thing you do, it's almost like, you know, building a positioning document about yourselves. Like, what is it that really matters? What, what um, traits are you looking for? What kind of atmosphere are you building for someone and what's the ideal fit for that, right? If you're not a fun-loving team, which sounds terrible because who wants to be like, we're not a fun-loving team, but uh, <laughs> we're super no fun. Uh, no, let's say... It's our positioning, come on. <laughs> right, right. Boring job over here. No, um, but if it is a more quiet, more staid environment, right? If, if it, then, then you want someone who's going to be very comfortable with that, that that's their native place to be. So um, first thing you do is really understand the environment and what type of person will prosper in that and flourish in that. And that's the tone you want to set in the job description. Hmm. How many applicants do we get per opening? Uh, so we usually get, uh, you know, maybe 100, 150 in the first week, week and a half that we have it up on Indeed. And then, wow. you, you know, there's a portion of those who are highly aspirational. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> in their applications. But we do, we get a, a very good stream. And so then it goes from, you know, that number Then I usually do, there's usually 12 that are um, a good phone screen. And in the phone screen, I, I do those myself. I don't, I don't outsource that to an HR person. Um, but I do those phone screens, it's time consuming. But that's when I ask a lot of the, the, the standard interview questions. I get those done there in the phone screen. All the things they would typically, I'd ask someone in person, I tend to do there. If the interview's going well, you're going to get more of those. So that when they come in person for the in-person interview, it's usually three parts that I'm trying to do. There's some sort of skills test assessment, depending on the role you're hiring for, uh, just to make sure that, you know, they actually can do what they say they can do. And those are really easy because once you tell them there will be that, they'll self-select out if that's not something they can do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so there's that part of it. There is team. So they will eat. I will um, always leave the candidate with my team alone. And I'm very clear with both sides. You can ask each other any questions you want. And the only thing is you have to be 100% honest. So that that candidate can really dig into what it's like to work here. The pros and the cons. And I think that's really important. And I get a good idea of, of how well that team will gel. Um, and then the third thing I always do is some sort of project or assignment that I'm not really interested in whether or not they can get the right answer in, but it allows me to see how they think. Um, so when I did Norman, when he was hired, 
I had a, an article that I had everyone do a layout for. And the biggest part of that wasn't the layout that they came up with, but they had to talk me through why they did what they did, why they laid it out the way they did, what was their reasoning for it, what was the, the strategy behind it and the business thinking. And, and that really allowed me to go, okay, not only do they have the skills, but they have the business knowledge, they understand the importance of the content in doing that. So I, I, depending on the role, the, the test per se changes. But again, the test in that case isn't about the right answer. It's about allowing me to see how they think because that's important. And it seems unreasonable that they would get the right answer for how we think, but understanding that they can think is really important. Right. And understanding how they think, right? Like, so um, is this someone who tends to go for, if someone was doing an article and what they talked to me about was, well, you know, this particular color is very hip these days and I thought it, you know, made the page looks different. That's one way, right? This font was the leading font picked last year and I picked that. That's one way of thinking. Or is that, so I read the article and the article's tone was really about, um, you know, I don't know, requirements and it was clearly for a more technical audience and so I wanted to make sure, right, those are two different ways of thinking that design could end up being the same. But for me, I was looking for the second, right? Someone who was thinking about the content and who we were doing it for and that's what was driving their design decisions. Yeah. Okay, so interesting question. You have these three parts that we have, we put them through. Mm -hmm. The middle part is the team. Do they get along with our team? Yep. Do you ever find someone who nails part one and part three, but the team comes back and says, yeah, I don't think so. Yep. Yep. And you listen and you listen to your team. So I do. So and at the end of the day, when we have multiple candidates that are pros and cons for different reasons, then we kind of um, have everybody individually rank them in the different criteria. And each of those criteria have different weight. But we, we've had hires before where I think their skill sets were maybe stronger than what we ended up with, but the personality fit was going to be hard. And we're too small a team and we work too close. Um, it wasn't like, you know, they're not my favorite. It was like you could tell that the energy level was going to be so different um, that it was mm. just, it was going to, to cause loops. Sort of an over-the-top energy <laughs> was one. But yeah, so, you know, it is important. But my team is also very mature. I have a great team. So they're not going to be like, well, I didn't like that one because, you know, his shirt was wrong. Like they're, they're looking for, they know how important a partner, a new team member is, right? Again, small team work closely. They're just as motivated as I am to find a good team member. And they really, one of the things that really impresses me about them is they're not territorial, right? They know they're great and they're, and they do great work and they're super valued. So if we bring someone in, there's never like, oh, they're going to take my job or what if they're better than me? It's just like, oh, cool. This is a great new skill set that we don't have as much here. Let's bring that on. So that's great. Nice. So no jealousy. No, no. Now I heard that one of the questions that the team always asks and grills them on is uh, where do you like to go to lunch? <laughs> Yes. What is your favorite food? What won't you right. eat? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, right then, you know, if someone picks the wrong food, someone's a barbecue yeah. fan. <laughs> They're out of here. Right. Done. Okay. So fantastic job finding people. And, and I have to say your team is amazing. I love every one of them. Thank you. And so now that you have a team, how do you, how do you keep building them up? How do you develop them? Uh, how do you develop teamwork? How do you get them working together? Was that enough questions all at once? Yeah, yeah. So the answer is four, blue, and 17. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no. 
Um, you know, it's things I have to be honest. Uh, there are seasons where I do better and better uh, at this and seasons where I do worse. And I'm not, um, it is very important and I always have to make it important. And sometimes to my own fault, I, you know, when you're swamped or busy with something else, they may, they may not be as loved as they should be. Um, but I try to keep that to a minimum. But so what do we do for motivation? So a lot of it's just respecting them, right? So I, um, they know I'm really busy. I try to make it be very available. I have one-on-one -on -one meetings with them each week, just short meetings, checking in, gives them an avenue that they know, um, listening to their ideas. Like we can't always implement everything, um, whether it's a cost reason or a resource reason, but I love the ideas and I love to hear them. Um, we do a lot of brainstorming sessions so that they can feel very active in that. Um, one of the things we've definitely uh, been, we've worked on in the, over the years as the teams develop too is, is pushing down control and authority, right? They're, they've learned a ton since they've been here. They know a ton, right? I need to, one of the things that can be hard when you have an employee um, is to recognize that, that they change over time, right? Which is crazy sounding, but like to go back to the fabulous daughter of mine, uh, if I still treated her now <laughs> like she was when she was three and I didn't accept that she developed a lot, that would be really crazy. But, you know, it's obvious with her because she's growing, you know, she's inches taller and pounds bigger. And of course she would treat her different, but professionals develop as well and they evolve and you need to evolve to match that. Um, you need to recognize where they've progressed and, and change your styles. And that, that is, I think, um, something else that helps them keep motivated and then we do you know every time we do a magazine that's a huge huge project right so every time we do a magazine we throw a magazine launch party we throw a launch party at the company everybody comes we do different themes we play games we celebrate the victories uh we have a rally song so smaller victories along the way you know it's like hey cue up that rally song let's play it let's celebrate mm -hmm. it um and that's really important for all of us i think the we have more we can do then we have resources to do it so you can always feel like something's not getting done makes it even more important that you celebrate what does get done and just so the listeners know that pragmatic marketer magazine wins awards every single year that's right so you guys do a fantastic job with that thank you oh and then we do uh, we have a monthly cheese club obviously it still comes back to food so. <laughs> <laughs> once a month we get a box of different cheeses and they're, they stay motivated that's how it works <laughs> okay you, you know the sad thing is about this podcast that we're doing rebecca is you are going to get flooded with resumes oh, that's that is never a bad thing we, we, right always good members we're always looking for new team members yeah. then you have to read through them all uh, it does take a long time when you get you know 100 plus i always look at all of them though it really does is there any issue in our team with the role confusion or how do we maintain that or manage that? Who has to do what or who gets to do what? Or That's a really good question. So, uh, yes, there is issues with role confusion. Um, small team, lots of hats, right? And particularly, you know, we're now at four. We were at three for a long time. And three was just like, uh, you know, you're wearing a ton of hats and you're switching hats here and there. And, and it was really important part of our growth process to be able to do that. Tons of cross-training. Um, and so it's always been a big part of what we do. It's cross-training. People go when 
different people's work levels change, someone else can swoop in and pick something up. It's it's why we can be so nimble. But it can be a limitation too. And I, I found that I really needed to continue to do the cross training, but also make a clear owner for pieces. So we've done a lot of work on that in the last year, year and a half to be like, yeah, everyone's going to pitch in and everyone's got parts of different things, but let's be super clear who is responsible for X, Y, and Z. And they're going to call if they need help and they can look for a backup from the, the team, but that does need to have a primary owner. It is still, there's still some areas, um, I want to say this is maybe more of a marketing thing, but it's probably just not true. It's probably true for everybody. Um, things like social have so many pieces there's a project management piece there's a content piece there's a design piece right so everybody touches those items and so again it's it's you still have to have a clear owner because i'm going to need everyone to participate but everybody should know that this is a when this idea comes up i should drive that one forward and and manage the other resources and with the team myself i could see how that's an issue but but you have the advantage of having a relatively small team good thing bad thing who knows (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Easier yes. to manage, we get less done. Well, and, and I mean, it's true. There's a lot of communicate. We communicate. That's is to me one of the biggest things about any anyone is everyone just communicate, right? And if, if they do a good job of communicating amongst themselves when there's something needed. Uh, and Sarah is sort of the ultimate project manager, calendar keeper, um, who also does a good job of reminding them, like, don't forget this part, because there's just lots of moving pieces. One of the things that I find most helpful in managing teams or leading anybody is always referring back to the goal or the goals. Mm. Do you have that in your organization? Do you do you have goals that you can point out and say, here's here's the key goal, let's go drive at this? Yes. Yep. Sometimes they're initiatives, sometimes they're goals, sometimes they're straight out metrics, but um, we definitely drive towards those. And it's something I'd say we continue to get better at so that they're more concrete and more measurable, right? We've always had like initiatives that have nice slogan names because we're in marketing. We branded it, made it a logo. Uh, (laughs) So those are the goals, but we're trying to, to break those down into then things that we can find more measurable. So one of the things we talk about is, is the 30 pillars, right? So for every asset we create, we should have 30 different pillars that hold it up. So 30 different marketing assets that come from that one. So you have a webinar, off the webinar, you have so many tweets, so many blog posts, maybe an infographic, maybe you cut that down into a podcast, all of those create the universe. So that, the idea of getting more out of everything we do has been our initiative since we started. We've now trying to programize that into the 30 pillars now we're building out what those 30 pillars sort of template for each asset type is so that we can measure and compare for each piece. So it's getting more sophisticated. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. Can I come work for you? You you know, Mark, you can always come work for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, can just, we, you, we can just talk about it. We can just keep recording ourselves all day long. It'll be like an <laughs> ongoing podcast just listening in on Rebecca and Mark. <laughs> Or Rebecca, thank you so much for your time today. Um, If anyone wants to contact you, can they do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what would you recommend? How? So email is going to be the easiest and I'll put it in the description because my last name is a little bit harder. Um, But actually, if you throw it at experts at pragmaticmarketing.com, that also goes to my email box. So experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. Any questions on hiring, you want to see any of the job descriptions I've done, uh, you just want to share some ideas you have. Super passionate about this topic, and I would love to hear from them. And if you want to apply for a job. Absolutely. 
So to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I always love talking to Rebecca. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. We welcome your questions, suggestions, especially any compliments you might have for Rebecca or me. <laughs> Send your comments to, what was that email address, Rebecca? Ex- experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. Good recipes yes. too. We take good recipes. And don't forget to join us for the next episode of Pragmatic Live. Mm-hmm.